0: Take your Bibles and go to Romans, the 6th chapter today. Romans chapter 6. We're in a series of messages entitled, Questions, dealing with questions in the Bible. And we've been in the Old Testament, but we're jumping over to the New Testament now. Questions in the Bible, and today's question is, Shall we continue in sin? That grace might increase that's the question let me begin by saying that the grace of God is not an excuse to sin right yeah the grace of God is not an excuse to sin if you look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 20 at the end of that verse it says but where sin increased grace increased all the more And that's a good thing, but unfortunately, there are some believers that have taken that verse to mean that the more that we sin, the more opportunity we give God to demonstrate His grace. And so it's a good thing. No, it's not a good thing. The grace of God is a good thing, but to sin more and more to see that grace abound is not a good thing. Such people that believe that way are, I think, described... By Jude, in Jude verse 4, when he says, They are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. Does that not describe our world today? People who change the grace of God into a license to sin, a license for immorality, and they deny Jesus. Jesus. So I say again that the grace of God is not an excuse to sin. There's people that think, well, if I sin, God's going to forgive me anyway, so it's no big deal. Yes, it is a big deal. Sin is a big deal to God. And if you study the concept of sin in the Old Testament, there were sins that were forgivable that were committed in ignorance but there was also some sin that was done with what might be called the high hand or a sins of rebellion, sins on purpose, that there was no sacrifice for. Sin is a big deal. We are not saved to sin. We are saved from sin. Matthew 1, they would call his name Jesus, for he would save his people, what? From their sins. It doesn't say he'll save his people in their sins, but from their sins. You remember the prodigal son? In the Gospel of Luke, he left the hog pen to come back to the Father's house. But today there are some people that believe you can become a Christian and stay in the hog pen. And it doesn't work that way. What does Paul say? Second Corinthians 5:17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. He is a new creation the old has gone and the new has come I believe that we have a right based on what the Bible says to seriously question the reality of any person's faith in Jesus if that faith is not accompanied by a changed life I think we have a right to question their faith if it's not accompanied by a changed life. Salvation in Jesus is intended to produce a changed life. A life that has victory over sin. That's what the salvation of Jesus is intended to do. Salvation in Him delivers us from sin. And yet, even when we're delivered from sin, we still find ourselves fighting the battle against sin, don't we? So how can we have success spiritually in this area well the book of Romans can really help us with that from start to finish you ought you ought to be familiar with the book of Romans let me give you just a brief outline of the first uh, eight chapters of Romans the first three chapters of Roman deals with sin the mess that we're in but chapters four and five deal with salvation what God has done to get us out of the mess that we're in. And chapter 6 through 8 deal with sanctification, which is how to live for Jesus on a daily basis. How to become more like Jesus. That's a process. You see, sanctification is different than justification. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's justification. When we are saved, God declares us not guilty. He declares us innocent. He declares us justified. Justification makes it just as if I'd never sinned. You've heard that play on words, I'm sure. So justification is an act of God. Sanctification is a work of God. Justification takes place instantly. God declares us innocent. Sanctification is a process, it's ongoing. Justification declares us righteous, sanctification makes us righteous. Justification is the act that starts us into the process of sanctification, the ongoing process. So when you accept Christ as Lord and Savior and you are saved from your sin, you are justified. You are declared righteous, declared not guilty before God, just as if you'd never sinned. But then, you're to be sanctified, becoming more and more like Jesus every day. And the Holy Spirit helps you in that ongoing process. So, in our text today, in Romans 6, Paul is going to give us three keys to spiritual success. So here's the first one. There's something that we need to understand. Notice the first 10 verses Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means, the King James Version says. No one has a King James Version today. God forbid, okay? God forbid. By no means, we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us that were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we've been united with him like this in his death, what does that refer to? Baptism. Because we just said we're buried with him through baptism into death. So verse 5 means if we've been baptized, if we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, how do you identify with his death? How do you die with him? Baptism, that's what it's talking about all through this. If we've died with Christ, we believe we'll also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God so there's something that we need to know here what is it what is it we need to understand as we start living the Christian life And here it is we need to know we need to understand we are identified with Christ right we're identified with him we're already identified with Adam Sin entered this world through one man and death through sin, as Paul teaches over in 1 Corinthians, okay? So we've already identified with Adam because we sin. Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's how we identify with Adam, but that's also why we need the new birth. We need the new birth so that we can identify with Jesus, But we need to understand how we are identified with Jesus. Paul, over in 1 Corinthians 15, in a nutshell, gives us what the gospel is. I delivered unto you that which was of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised from the third day, raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel in a nutshell. And that's also exactly what we find here in verses 3 through 5. Jesus died for us on the cross. When we accept Him and we are baptized into Him, we are uniting with Him in the likeness of that death. We are picturing His death and declaring that we're identifying with Him in His death. We're saying that when He died, okay, some 2,000 years ago, we died with Him. And the only way to identify with Jesus in the likeness of his death is to do what? To be baptized, to be buried with him. And that's the second part here. Jesus was buried for us. Verse 4, when Jesus died, they buried him. They put him in a tomb. So not only did his blood take away our sin... Our sins have been paid for through His shedding of blood, but they've also been put away. They were buried with Him. We sing the song, living He loved me, dying He saved me, buried He my sins far away. Absolutely. Good song, good words. So it's wonderful to know what God has done with our sins. He's covered our sins and removed them as far as the east is from the west. And when he was buried, our sins were buried with him. But the only way to unite with Jesus in the likeness of his burial is what? To be buried in water. That's what baptism's all about. And verses 4 and 5, it talks about Jesus' resurrection from the grave. And so we have that opportunity to rise with him, to unite with him in the likeness of his resurrection. Verse 5, if we've been united with him like this in his death through baptism, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection through baptism. We're raised to walk in newness of life. So on that Sunday morning, that tomb began to shake and the stone began to roll and the Roman soldiers passed out and fainted. Jesus rose from the dead. Death cannot keep its prey. Jesus, my Savior. He tore the bars away. Jesus, my Lord. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. He rose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign. And I'm identified with that and so are you. When Jesus rose... He made possible a brand new life for us. And again, we identify with all of that when we are immersed into Christ. I don't know of any other way to identify with Jesus than through baptism. And it's once we identify with Him in His death and burial and resurrection that God cleanses us of our sin. He brings us in contact with the blood of Christ in a a spiritual sense, to cleanse us from our sins. So when a person is baptized, it pictures all of that. You know, water is foreign to our nature. We we can't live in water. It it pictures death. It also pictures burial. But when we come up out of that water, it pictures resurrection. But notice the word if in verse 5 and in verse 8. It's conditional, isn't it? If we've been united with him like this in his death, meaning if we have been baptized, if we've been immersed. Verse 8, now if we died with Christ, if we died, how do you die with Christ, Dan? In baptism, absolutely, so don't miss that word if. Verse 6 says, our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. What does that mean? Well, it means that our old self, our old nature, that, that old sinful person, that old Jew that was dominated by sin when Jesus died on the cross, and when we unite with him in the likeness of his death in baptism, that old man gets crucified put to death. Galatians 2.20, our old nature was nailed to the cross and was crucified. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And so because of that, the body of sin can be done away with, and we can be freed from sin, it says in verse 7. And so the result of being baptized into Christ identifying with him in his death, burial, resurrection, is that we no longer have to respond to sin like a slave is obligated to serve his master. Baptism ends the bondage and frees the slave. Is that good news? Thank you, two or three of you. <laughs> That's great news. All because of the grace of God. And yet, there still seems uh, times that that old man seems to be alive, right? That we still have to to, to battle sin. We don't feel completely free from sin. And I think what Paul is saying here is that the old nature has been annihilated, but it hadn't been eradicated. In other words, it's been rendered powerless and put out of operation, Doesn't mean it's not there anymore. It means it doesn't have any power over you. It's not that you can't sin once you become a Christian. You can and you will. It's not that you can't sin. It's that you don't want to. You don't want to sin. We still battle with that old nature. But we are now free to choose not to sin. Sin has lost its power to control you. Before you came to Christ, sin had the power. And you were its slave. You were its prisoner. But once you identify with Jesus, now that power is gone from sin. And that is no longer true that you are a slave to sin. And we need to know that. That we are identified with Christ. And death no longer had mastery over him. It no longer has mastery over us. When Jesus died and rose again, he was triumphant over death and hell and the grave. And Jesus gives you that victory when you are saved. You need to know that. You are identified with Christ. But again, it's conditional in verse 5 and verse 8. If, if. And we need to understand that in baptism we identify with Christ. So that's one thing we need to know. But secondly, there's something we need to underscore. Something we need to underscore. Verse 11, in the same way, count yourselves. Count yourselves in the New International Version. The King James Version says, reckon yourselves. The New American Standard says, consider yourselves. But in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So the Bible teaches that our old self died, and the body of sin has been rendered powerless. So having died and been buried and risen from the watery grave of baptism, a Christian now is bound to live a different life. We cannot continue in sin on the pretext. Of making grace abound. The grace of God is not an excuse to sin. And so we need to underscore the fact that the Bible says here we are dead to sin, right? We're dead to sin. But a lot of people just don't seem to know that or don't seem to remember that. We need to count ourselves, reckon ourselves, consider ourselves dead to sin. You know, of Abraham, over in Romans chapter 4 and verse 3, it says it was credited to him as righteousness, his faith was. And in Romans 4 verse 5, it says his faith is credited as righteousness, credited or counted, okay, or reckoned or considered. It's that same word. It's a bookkeeping term. You need to underscore the fact that sin's old mastery or dominion over you has been abruptly ended. And you need to keep reminding yourself that you're dead to sin. That I'm not going to respond to sin's allure in my life. And we need to keep reminding ourselves we're alive to God. Dead to sin, alive to God, and I'll do everything I can to bring Him glory. Consider yourself, count yourself, reckon yourself as dead to sin. You know, it's like somebody placing $10,000 in your bank account. It would be hard to believe that someone had done that, right? But if they had done that and your account showed it, what would you do? shout hallelujah but you'd start to spend it at some point wouldn't you yeah absolutely well god's made the biggest deposit in your account that you could ever ask for his grace he has credited to your account the righteousness of christ so that when he looks at you through the lens of christ's righteousness he declares you not guilty you're dead to sin sin no longer has mastery over you since christ or since god has credited the righteousness of christ to your account start spending it rejoice in that shout hallelujah because of the grace of god we are dead to sin and that's something we need to underscore but that hinges on whether or not we've died and identified with jesus In baptism and then there's something we need to undertake in verses 12 through 14 therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness for sin shall not be your master Because you're not under law, but under grace. So don't go on yielding your life to sin. Don't offer yourself to sin. Don't let your body give in to the unholy desires of your body. And don't offer the parts of your body, don't yield them to sin as instruments of wickedness. You know, we, there are some amazing parts of our body that serve as instruments. We have a movie camera in our body. It's called our eyes. We have a broadcasting system in our body. It's called our voice. We have a great receiving system in our body called our ears. We have all-purpose tools in our body, like our hands and feet. And he's saying here, don't use the instruments God has given you as tools for sin. We don't do that. Can you use your movie camera, your eyes as a tool for sin? Sure you can. Pornography is a billion-dollar business. What about your voice? Can you use it as a tool for sin? Oh, yeah. We witness that probably every, almost every day of our lives, people using their voices as a tool for sin and just spewing forth filth. Can you use your ears as a tool for sin? Yep, you can use them as a garbage can. And your hands and feet, can they be used for wickedness? Absolutely. But we're not to do that. Verse 13 says, instead, offer your body to God. Don't continue to let your body be used for sin. This is, something, this is what we have to undertake, that we offer our body to God. We give ourselves to God. Total commitment. You're either a tool in the hand of God, or you're a tool in the hand of Satan. And that requires a definite decision. Steve told us that in the call to worship. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 I beseech you by the mercies of God to present your bodies, the instruments of your body, as what? A living sacrifice. What's the problem with a living sacrifice? It likes to crawl off the altar. Right? But we're to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. And keep on doing that. We don't crawl off the altar. No, it's total 100% commitment to God. We are not to continue in sin so that grace might increase, but we're to be used exclusively in God's service. So has there been a point in time when you definitely gave yourself to God? Yeah. Have you made that surrender of your life to God? I pray that you have. And it's a definite act. And it's also a daily act. It's a one-time act when we're baptized into Him and we're justified. And it's also a daily act through sanctification, striving to become more and more like Jesus. Sin has no control over us if we make it our daily purpose to live unto God. And we need to undertake undertake the purpose of offering ourselves the instruments of our body as instruments of righteousness unto God. So something we need to know, something we need to underscore, and something we need to undertake. So shall we continue to sin so that grace might increase? That's a question in the Scripture. And the answer the Scripture gives is, God forbid, by no means, we have died to sin by being identified with Jesus in the likeness of His death and burial and resurrection, by being immersed in water, by being baptized into Christ. Boy, that first part of Romans 6 it's just all about the blessings we receive, the benefits we, we receive in being baptized into Christ. And it's referred to, baptism's referred to in different ways there. Being united with him in the likeness of his death. Being united with him in the likeness of his burial. Being united with him in the likeness of his resurrection. Crucifying our old self. All of those things refer to baptism. And it's conditional. If we've done that, here's the blessings. So if you haven't done that, if you've still got questions about that, I pray you'll find the answers to your questions. That you'll come and we can talk about that. If you haven't made that decision and you're ready to make that decision, we have a baptistry right here with warm water in it and everything that you need to identify with Jesus in the likeness of his death, burial, and resurrection and resurrection so that God the Father will cleanse you from your sin, and you will no longer be a slave to sin, but a slave unto righteousness under Christ. If you need to do that today, we invite you to do it as we stand and sing. If you've already done that, if you've already identified with Jesus in that way, but you're looking for a home church, we'd love to have you be a part of New Hope. And there's nothing in the Bible that tells us how to do that, But most of the time, just traditionally, people come forward and express their intention of saying, we would like to serve here. We'd like this to be our home church. We'd love to have you. You can come also as we stand and as we sing.